for the touch of your lips, dear, but much more for the touch of your whips, dear. You can raise welts like nobody else as we dance to the masochism tango. Say our love is a flame, not an ember. Say it's me that you want to dismember. Blacken my eye, set fire to my tie as we dance to the masochism tango. At your command, before you hear I stand. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the ASLUT podcast. Now, the ASLUT podcast stands for advice, sex, love, understanding, and trust. And we're going to be focusing on the advice side of it today. The other point of this podcast is to let your slut flag fly. Let it go, let, be free to do whatever you like. So we're going to talk about a whole bunch of kinky stuff. We usually talk to people about it. Today it's just going to be me, and we're going to be doing sort of a kink 101 thing, but it's all about being having the conversations around sex that a lot of other people don't like or feel uncomfortable with or, you know, for whatever reason, be it cultural, be it upbringing, be it religious, be it whatever it becomes a taboo subject. So we talk about it here. We talk about it, we learn about it, and we learn from other people. And it's not just about your regular run-of-the-mill sex, it's not just about consent, it's about all things kinky, all things polyamorous, all things that swingers get involved in, literally everything on the spectrum. I want to talk about it. So in saying that, um, I'm really looking forward to this episode. Now. A fair few of you realised that last week I didn't release an episode of the ASLAP podcast. Um, there was a very good reason for this. My head wasn't quite in the right space for it. Um, I had my flatmate, my housemate, my roommate, whatever you want to call them, um, person who lives, lived with me, um, attempted suicide and carved up their arms completely. Um, so that made last week um, a little too difficult for me to actually put an episode out. Um, I was, it brought up memories of um, when I had attempted as well. So yeah, I'm sorry that it didn't come out, but uh, I really was not in the right headspace um, to be able to do that, I'm afraid. So I do apologise, but that's the reason why. Um, I'm back again now. So that's the main thing. It's not like I've stopped completely. I'm I'm definitely still here. Um, I definitely want to keep doing this. I definitely want to keep talking to you people and sort of learning my own way through these things as well. It's not like I'm a 100% expert on everything that I talk about, but I will say that on this mental health side of things, please seek help. Please talk to people. Um, yeah, because I sort of saw this coming and I tried to help and I, I couldn't really do anything uh, about it, which was difficult for me. But um, if you notice somebody's down, just talk to them, get um, take them out of the house, go on a walk, do try and do something because it's it's a really tough, tough thing to to have to go through. Um, on a bit more of a positive note, uh, the sun is shining here. I've got lasagna and roast pork in front of me for, for my fuel for this episode. Um, it's going to be another solo episode, guys. I haven't got another guest on. Um, like I said, I've been meaning to, but 
life gets in the way. I work 70 hours a week, um, plus in addition to doing this podcast. So sometimes it doesn't quite work out the way that I would like it to, but that's okay um, because I'm still going to be talking about stuff today that I'm really quite passionate about. We're going to be doing sort of a, for lack of a better term, a kink 101 sort of thing today. So by that I mean it's an introduction to people who aren't for people who aren't kinky or aren't into being whatever in bed. You know the I guess the term is vanilla, but I don't like using that. It seems a little derogatory. Although I love vanilla, um, but yeah, we're going to be talking about how, well, not so much how it started, but the fact that it did start where some of the kings got their names from, what some of the kings are, and what it entails. Um, all the thing, all the weird, wonderful, and wacky things that you can do. We're going to talk a little bit about the safety side as well, of course, uh, because that's a big thing with this podcast. As we talk about safety and consent and all of that sort of stuff as part of it, so we're definitely going to talk about that as well. I know some people would potentially find that boring, but it is a hugely necessary part of it. You can't just go in wielding whatever instrument you have and start. For lack of a better term, beating people with it. Um, You definitely need to learn about the safety side of things, especially with some of the things that I'm into. And we're going to be talking about me and what I'm into quite a bit today as well, because some of you may know, um, I know there are a couple of people I know. Um, If you listen to Naughty or Black's Deviance podcast coming up, I do have an episode on there where I talk about all that side of thing as well, so I I suggest you go and listen to that as well because it was really fun, really really fun. Um, but yeah, so that's what today's episode is going to be. Um, it will be in between me shoving forkfuls and spoonfuls of food into my mouth, so <laughs> you'll have to bear, bear that in mind as well. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm gonna leave you with a little bit of music. Before we start this, please enjoy. Roger, why can't she just admit she's a deviant so she can come home? Deviant? Yeah, she wants me to spank her in bed. It's sick. Stan, everyone has something a little different that they like. Something a little naughty, a little kinky. Not me. Oh, honey, everyone has a kink. You just need to find yours. You're buttoned up and prude. Not an ounce of you is crude. And your tendencies in bed leave women snoring. But if you look deep down inside and put aside your foolish pride, there are fantasies and holes that need exploring. Close your eyes and picture Francine as a French maid instead of wearing that same dress that's sort of pink. Sure, you'd rather be on top and give three quick pumps and stop. But I know deep down inside you've got a kink. You've got a kink. You've got a kink. Don't be afraid to put a finger in the stink. Though I know you might be shy, let me show you things to try. Cause like everyone you know, you've got a kink. Imagine yourself living without limits. You've got whips and chains. Who needs a shrink? Cause if you watch me with the ladies What we do won't cause no babies Take a tip from me and go and find your kink You've got a kink He's got a kink You've got a kink He's got a kink There's so much here to see, try not to blink 
So if you dig out women's feet Don't be afraid, turn up that heat Cause like everybody else, you've got a kink Are you getting it yet? I think I am I love sleeping with Francine And I'm used to my routine But you think it may be time to make a change So I'll try out something new Like when Carradine turned blue Who am I to think my wife is sick and strange? I've got a king I've got a king Remember what I said about the stink So if you like us all Or Bathory You won't be judged, we're not a jury Cause way down deep inside we've all got kinks We've got a kink, we've got a kink, we've got a kink Yes, way down deep inside I've got a kink I've got to bring Francine home and let her know I've found my kink I'm proud of you, Stan So which kink is it? All of them Uh-oh and what a way to get this episode uh, truly started. Um, yeah, so obviously that was an excerpt from American Dad that I found, and it's kind of fitting, I guess, considering we're going to go into sort of, I guess, the basics of, of kink and, and BDSM and, and whatnot um, on this episode. So I thought that would be a nice, fun way to, to, to get us started. Um, yeah, as it says in, in that little... Song. I had to play the whole thing, by the way. I, could, I couldn't not. It's just uh, too much to, to laugh at um, throughout all of that. But, um, yeah, like it says in the song, um, most people, I'm going to say most, I don't want to say all, but I'm going to say that a large majority of people do have some sort of, of kink attached to them. Um, or they're attached to some kink, whichever way you want to word that, it's it's up to you completely in every way, shape, or form. Because, um, I mean, kink can even boil all the way down to uh, wearing a silk blindfold or, you know, um, a, spank a light spanking in bed or, you know, handcuffs even is is considered a light, start, uh, a light part of BDSM or kink or whichever way you want to do it. Now, the first thing I want to say is that kink and BDSM, I, I'll, I refer to them as both very similar sort of things. I don't see them as the exact same, um, but I will refer to them during this podcast as the same sort of thing. So I, I guess where we need to start is what's kinky and what's not. Well... Anything can be kinky. I think it's gotten to the point now in the kink community that missionary with the lights off once a month has become a kink. Um, I think it's gotten that far in a full circle now. But it could be literally anything that sort of you need to, or that, that you use to spice up your life a little bit, apart from, you know, your regular, just your regular sex, I guess. So, like, like I've already noted on, it could be handcuffs or a blindfold or, you know, if you've used panties to tie above the head, it's, that's light version of kink. Um, there's, it goes all the way up to obviously, you know, blood play. Um, I guess not obviously, um, but, you know, blood play, um, use of bodily fluids, rope, 
NATO's electro stuff, um, and in, even into full power exchange dynamics, like a uh, dominant and a submissive, a master-slave. You can even go further into the master-slave and you can use a Dorian-style slave, which we might talk about on this one, we might talk about it on another episode. I'm not too sure yet, but yeah, there's, there's many, many, many different aspects to what a kink is or what BDSM is. But what I'll do to begin with, I think, is we'll start off with with what BDSM actually stands for. Some of you might not know. I'm I'm guessing most of my listeners do, but that can be quite a dangerous thing to sort of try and assume. So it stands for bondage, domination, submissive, and sadism and masochism. So it's it's kind of broad reaching category of bedroom play. It can go from mild to wild. And it depends on the people involved what they get turned on by, what excites them. And I also want to say this, just before we get too deep into all of this, is that kinky stuff, kinky fuckery and BDSM, all of that sort of stuff, does not have to actually involve sex. I personally prefer doing the kinky stuff over sex, and most of the time I keep them separate. I get different highs off of the different things. So, yeah, the... There's a lot of people who think that kink has to be involved with sex, there has to be spanking, and there has to be the the insertion of a penis into a hole of any description, or or even not even just a penis, it could be fingers, it could be anything. It doesn't have to be sexual at all. It can just be an action between two or, or more people, I guess, or even self-flagellation is part of it. Um, that do what they like to do. Um, and I think that's one of the main misconceptions of kink and that side of things as well, is that most people think that it's all part of um, all part of the sex side of it. Um, so yeah, that's that's sort of that side of it. Um, I'm just going to go through um, each, I guess, proponent of. BDSM, if we want to look at that as sort of break it down into the bondage, the domination, submission, sadism, and masochism. And we're going to go through and just talk a little bit about what they actually are. So the, the bondage side of it can be generally just be loosely wrapped ties um, around wrists or anything like that. And it could go up to those huge shibari rope designs that look absolutely amazing on the internet. Um, I wish I could do that. But I, I'm not a rope guy. Um, I have the unfortunate combination of being both very impatient and being a perfectionist. So if I'm not good at it quickly, I tend to sort of stop doing it. Um, so bondage for me is it's not just about the ropes, the tires. It can be about handcuffs, it can be about anything. It's just basically just restricting the movement of a person's body or part of a body um, for amusement, uh, for fun, for giving that feeling of power that you're able to make it so this person can't move is a huge part of it. Um, so, yeah, 
Um, like I said at the start, I'm not going to go too in-depth with anything that we talk about today, because there, there is a lot to kink. There is a hell of a lot to kink. Um, so we're just going to sort of scrape the surface, I guess, here today, for lack of a better term, and just go through sort of, like I said, a, a kink 101, I guess, for lack of a better term. Um, so yeah, that's that's your sort of bondage side. I've got to admit, I'm not overly versed in bondage. It's like I said, it's not my thing, really. I don't mind using restraints. I love restraints, but yeah, the rope side of things, I do need to get a a rigger in here um, into this podcast to talk about it and talk about all the different ways that you can use it and things like that, um, because it is probably. Uh, I would argue one of the most, if not the most common practice in BDSM. Everybody loves rope. Every every rope bunny loves that feeling of powerlessness that you can get from being suspended by rope um, or even just arms tied up so that they can't move. Uh, and, yeah, so the, what, what I will say about this, though, is if, you, if you're new to bondage, Start simple with silk ties or easy release handcuffs or super soft, super soft rope. Don't go for anything too harsh or anything like that. Um, and go with somebody who is experienced and has proven experience of it as well. Um, because if it's done incorrectly, um, it is hugely dangerous. Uh, it's to be very, very good with rope. You need to know the human anatomy very well, where all of the veins and main arteries in the body are so you don't cut off circulation. That's part of the reason I say use soft ropes or ties when you're first starting out because um, circulation can get cut off really quite easily uh, when you're doing bondage. So look after yourself. Uh, it, can, it can really, in a, in a sort of worst case scenario, long-term nerve damage is actually uh, something that can happen. Um, if you know the ropes are tied too tight, or you're put into a position where the, the rope does become tight, or something like that, so be very, very careful of that. So we'll we'll leave bondage there for the moment. We may revisit it. I've only got a loose plan for this episode, so you might have to bear with me from time to time, people. Um, yeah. So the next part, the D stands for domination and submission. So it sort of works with the DSM, I guess, but yeah, whatever works, whatever way you want to say it, it's still part of it. So this for me is sort of more of a, a power exchange sort of thing. So you've got the dominant person, you've got the submissive person, also known as dom and sub, and it's, yeah, it's... The, the relationship between the two people involved, I guess. You've got one person generally who's dominant. It could be just dominant for that scene. It could be dominant in a relationship. You know, it could be any sort of thing. It doesn't have to be you're always dominant and this is it and that's it. And no. It could, you, you, for switches especially, you know, you've got, they can be dominant one scene and be submissive next. And I, I guess I should, um, explain what a scene is as well. It's sort of a play session that you have with the with a partner or multiple partners, I guess, um, to 
practice your kink, for lack of a better term, or to perform your kink, or you know, to show off a little bit. It's it's sort of all up to you on that side of the thing. So yeah, it could just be as simple as like we talked about with the bondage, the tying their hands to the bedposts, the the, the bondage side of that, and that is still counted as BDSM. It is a light version, but it is still counted. Um, there are others that need something much more extreme to get off, like breath play, like uh, significant spankings, canings, um, all kinds of different sex toys, I guess. Um, or to uh, a deeper extent, you can have the likes of blood play, consensual non-consent, all of that sort of fun stuff, which I am a huge, huge fan of. Um, so yeah, so we'll go through the kinds of play that can be involved with domination and submission. It's also part of the sadomasochism, which we'll talk about next, we'll touch on a little bit next. So you've got impact, you've got electro, you've got just pure power exchange, so it could be doing even just doing chores around the house. Um, you've got Daddy Dom Little Girl, which is quite a common one as well. Consensual non-consent, you've got wax play, you've got bodily fluids, you've got pet play, needles, rope play, roll play. Um, all sorts of different things there, to be honest. So all of this can sort of be underlined in the domination and submission thing. There's also as part of that is there's like I just touched on as well, is is switches. So a switch can be both dominant and submissive. There are people that are plainly just dominant, there's no questions asked, and there are people that are just submissive, no questions asked. There's no reason to judge people for, for what they feel and what works best for them. Uh, people like what they like. I'm personally a switch, but most people in our scene here especially um, uh, see me as a dominant because that's what I mainly practice as. And as part of that, I've got a very, very... Um, high level of trust needed um, if I'm going to submit to anyone. I'm very, very picky. I'm very choosy around that side of things. And being a switch sort of works in well with me being polyamorous as well, uh, purely because I can get the submission from one person and the domination and the dominant side from another person. It makes it quite nice and 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 fitting I guess um, so that yeah that's lovely but there are obviously monogamous kink couples as well where they'll one time one person will be the dominant the other they'll be the submissive or and this is one of my favorite things as well the the, the fight for dominance you know the, the the play fighting that gets into the room and how it ends up is how it ends up uh, both start on an equal level and say, right, let's see where this leads us. And they have the big wrestle and the big fight and the and the deliciousness that can come from that, the raw the raw passion, the raw desire, I guess, that can come from that. Is um quite lovely really. Quite lovely. So the next part of this <laughs> after I, I think I'm exciting myself by talking about this subject. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the next part, the final SM, is sadism and masochism. 
So this is where a lot of people sort of balk and get a wee bit worried about what this actually is. Um, but you need to make sure when going through this, everything's safe and nothing... Oh. Yeah, everything's safe if you play with a partner who listens to everything that you need and, and want in that situation and who cares about your well-being. It's very, very rare that anything bad will happen. Accidents, in saying that, accidents happen. And it's it can be at times quite frustrating and you can feel quite hurt. But if it's truly an accident, then that person should be able to sit down and talk about it. So you can do that from that point. So what it really is, is the sadist is usually the dominant partner and they feel sexually turned on by watching their partner squirm and wriggle or yelp or basically they get turned on by inflicting pain is the easiest way to put this and the masochist is the opposite so every action has an equal and opposite reaction we have a sadist, we have a masochist so yeah they enjoy receiving pain which is also delicious. I am somewhat of a sadomasochist myself. So sadomasochist enjoys both. Um, I'm definitely more on the sadist side, but yeah, I can play the masochist if I need to, um, especially when it includes electroplay, which is probably my biggest, biggest, biggest kink. I absolutely love it. And we will definitely talk about that a wee bit later because I, I love talking about electro and, and my toys and how I use them and so that that's probably going to end up as quite a long part of of this podcast is me just talking about electro stuff um, but I'll, I'll try not to carry on with it for too long um, so yeah so with sado, sadism and masochism um, the level of discomfort or pain inflicted is usually predetermined by both the dominant and the submissive before the play begins. And I generally like to use, excuse me, I generally like to use a one to five scale on how painful it is for the person. And I'll ask them during the scene, especially if it's my first time playing with them. Um, it can get to a point where you know each other so well and you know each other's movements and actions and reactions so well you know what's going to be what's going to be too much and what's going to be just right or, or stuff like that but you still need that level of communication as part of it and yeah from that point it's it's just all about care and and everything from there um, so lighter forms of masochism and sadism can involve tickling I'm a big fan of tickling I think it's fun exciting and yeah. Um, you can use a vibrator to tease your partner while they're tied up or lightly scratching them with the nails or a Wartenberg wheel or anything like that. More extreme forms can involve intense tickling until your partner begs you to stop, turn the vibrator up to its highest set setting and forcing your partner to orgasm. Um, you know, you can use claws uh, to scratch up somebody's back until you draw blood. Um, you know, there's many many other forms. Like I said, electro, you can use cattle pods, you can use things like that. Um, you know, consensual non-consents, part of it as, as well I guess. Uh, impact play is probably a big part 
um, that most people tend to talk about as part of that. So, yeah, because BDSM play can involve more than just the usual sexual body fluids exchanged between genitals like blood, urine, or anal mucus, it's imperative that everybody gets STD checks, especially if there's blood and everything like that involved. It's so, 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 so important. And each new partner you get, those test results should be disclosed and told. Um, unless, I guess, unless you're monogamous, completely monogamous and no one's cheating, then you should probably get away with that. Um, but it's that point still there. Um, as part of part of uh, sadism, masochism, and I guess domin domination, submission as well, and bondage. So it's all part of BDSM. It all falls under that calendar. Calendar? Calendar? Uh, moniker, I guess, is probably the word I was looking for. <laughs> um, so, yeah, impact play is probably one of the main parts. And that's it's basically a fancy term for spanking, slapping, using implements to hit people. I don't like really using the term hit because it has so many derogatory um, connotations to go with it. Um, but it, that is essentially what impact play is. It's using an item or your hand or you know something along those lines to impact it upon somebody else. So it can be dialed down or turned up depending on what you're into. Um, and look, when it comes to it, the most popular form is probably spanking, um, one of the lighter forms of course. Um, but there's a reason that it feels good. Besides making you feel like a naughty school kid, when you smack or spank anybody, or any part of the body, whether lightly or with force, blood rises to the skin's surface, which then intensifies any sort of touch applied afterwards. So what, what, what I mean by that is if you spank somebody and then you just run your fingers and stuff over it, it creates a, a very different kind of sensation um, to what it would do before the spank. Um, and if you're listening and and you haven't thought about it in this way, I'd, I'd like you to sort of test this fun little theory and give yourself, um, either light or hard, depending on what you like, um, smack on your arm or leg a couple of times and allow the blood to flow to, into that area. And then use like a feather, a brush or something like that and just run it along there. Just run it along that area. And... I bet, I bet you'll find that it feels kind of amazing and really quite sensitive. Um, so even if you're not like a huge fan of your typical spanking side of things, you can still use this aspect of, of impact play to add another dimension to, to what you already like. So if you consider yourself completely vanilla, um, then this could be something to, to sort of dip your toes in if you want to. I'm not, I'm not saying everybody has to be kinky or anything like that. Anybody has to be into BDSM, so... Um, so, yeah. That's, um... Yeah, that's all part of it as well. The, the other huge part of, of all of this is that you need to be safe. Um, do your research into what you're doing. And, and look after yourself as well. Um, because there, there are there is stuff that can go wrong. Things can go wrong here. Um, and 
the key part about it is to is to keep keep yourself safe first and foremost, and then improve from it. You know, if you if you're a dominant and you've you've made a mistake, own your mistake. Sit there and go, shit, I may have fucked up here. I may have made a mistake. Um, let's 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 talk about it. Let's move on and let's improve. Um, that's those are sort of the main things that I wanted to put into that. Um, the other thing, so uh, when it comes to sadism and masochism, um, it's really kind of interesting because it actually came from a person's name, would you believe? Um, the sadism side, anyway. It was named after a French nobleman, a revolutionary, if you will. Um, his name was Marquis de Sade. And it's the Sade part of that that, that gave, lends its name to, um, to BDSM. He was born in 1740, died in 1814, so 74 years of age. Pretty decent innings, especially in that sort of lifetime. Um, he wrote a lot of novels, short stories, plays, dialogues, even political tracts, would you believe? And he's best known for his erotic works, and they combined the philosophical talk of it with pornography, and that depicted sexual fantasies, which showed an emphasis on violence, suffering, criminality, and my favourite part, because I'm not religious in any way, shape, or form, uh, blasphemy against Christianity, and I like the way that that's coined. Blasphemy against Christianity. <laughs> um, so he put all of these sort of fantasies into practice as well, with both consenting and non-consenting people. Um, so it was the non-consenting is obviously not how we practice things now, but we definitely do um, get involved with. The, the consenting side of people, uh, well, not side of people, but playing with people with consent. And he was basically hugely into absolute freedom that didn't have any morality, didn't have any religion, didn't have any law. Um, and, yeah, so the the terms... Sadism and sadist are derived from him. Um, obviously, he spent a lot of time in jail because of these actions. Um, obviously, he felt that there shouldn't be a law, so he did what he wanted. Um, and that's sort of what... How, it, how that name came about as well, is basically from a guy who didn't want any rules or anything like that and um, yeah it was kind of it was a man whose name I'm struggling to think of I think it's Michel Foucault who actually sort of coined the phrase of sadism and 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 sadist uh, from from this man so that's yeah, that's sort of that, I guess. Uh, I don't want to delve too far into that because this isn't a fucking history podcast, but I also did um, wanted to put that in there as well. Now, the unfortunate side of him as well is that he'd been given the title of rapist and pedophile as well, and that's part that we don't 
uh, associate with sadism in a recent time. So, <laughs> um, it was actually also coined from a disorder. And it was sexual sadism disorder. So it's, it was defined as experience, experiencing sexual arousal in response to extreme pain, suffering or humiliation done non-consensually to others. Obviously that's a little bit different now, but that's how it was coined. And that's actually coined in the American Psychiatric Association um, in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, would you believe? Just so you know, I'm not talking complete bollocks. Um, this is actually a thing. Um, but there has been, yeah, the key point of that is that it is distinctly different from where consenting individuals use mild or pain or mild or simulated pain or humiliation for, for sexual excitement. That's, that's sort of the, the main difference there. Um, there's a couple of people who have followed his teachings um, or who have been known to have the sexual sadism disorder. Um, a few of you, especially those in England, so Bedhoffers, if you're listening, you'd know about Ian Brady and Myra Hindley, who carried out torture and murder of children in the 60s. They were known as the Moors murders. Um, they were fascinate, fascinated by Saad and sort of tried to follow his sort of things there. So that's kind of, yeah. One of the books that belonged to Brady was The Life and, and Ideas of the Marquis de Sade. And, yeah, he got aroused by what was in those books. So, again, the, the key point of difference here is that the, the consent side of it. Um, but, yeah, so that's sort of where the sadism side and to, to sort of get that sort of feeling of where BDSM, for lack of a better term, came from, because it's all so sort of entwined in with each other. We're going to finish up on that topic here, because it is, it is something that can be uh, a little bit heavy and a little bit too much uh, for some people. I'm not going to go too far into it, but um, I'm going to go into sort of uh, um, why people like it. Um, the the science of why we do what we do as kinksters. Um, so especially when it comes to impact play and stuff like that, I touched on a little bit earlier about you know um, you you spank somebody and the the sensation feels different things like that. I'm going to take it a little uh, a little bit further here, um, and it's. It's not because that it's in our DNA or because we're wired that way or or anything like that. So it's more about why men love boobs, why both partners start wanting to scratch each other's sexual, sexual edges after so long. Um, there are biological and psychological explanations around all of this sort of stuff. 
a lot of people think that it's, you know, unpicking early childhood trauma, emotional disturbance or abuse, um, as seen in Fifty Shades of Grey. If you're using Fifty Shades of Grey to get into kink, please don't. It's an abusive relationship. It is not... Um, it is not a healthy kink relationship in any way, shape, or form. So please, please, if you're modeling your kink experiences from Fifty Shades of Grey, do a little bit more research, please. Um, please. So there is a science to spanking, to nipple torture, to candle waxing, and pretty much any other act that you could name where prolonging the anticipation of touch or relief, or, you know, changing a blood flow or anything like that. Um, it what it does it releases neurotransmitters. Um, so some of these neurotransmitters are dopamine, adrenaline, serotonin, and that the release of those, or yeah, endorphins as part of that. The release of all of that results in a chemical high. So this is biologically inside your body. It's not your brain or anything like that. It's actually what's going to happen through all of that. You, yeah, so through all of that, um, you have to be able to find a sort of physical simulation arousing to, in order to be aroused, obviously, um, and if you do, then having a person you find attractive, putting you over the knee and spanking you in a way that encourages your body to release noradrenaline, adrenaline, dopamine in anticipation of the spank, and then the opioids on point of contact is likely to be a pretty positive, uh, positive sexual experience. So, yeah. So basically, what we're saying there is the the feeling of being hit raises your adrenaline, which is rele which releases these dopamine, these dopamines, these this noradrenaline. You get an adrenaline rush, the same you do if you do a skydive or something like that. Is the danger of it? It biologically releases these 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 neurotransmitters, these things inside you to basically give you a release from it. Um, so we, we're going to go into, there was a, a, a research done by Meredith Chivers of the Queen's University, which found that vaginal blood flow in women interested in BDSM increases when they watch kinky porn at the same rate it does for non-kinky women who watch vanilla porn. But the blood flow does not increase when kinky women watch vanilla porn. So that tells us that the brain does have some part to play in controlling what happens biologically in, well, in, in there as well. And that the brains of people who respond to kinky stimuli fire up the way those who respond to vanilla sex do. So we're waiting on MRI scans of kinksters but what sexologists hypothesize at the moment is there's nothing neurologically or biologically dysfunctional about kink-related desire. Now, this, I'll, I'll go back to talking about Marquis de Sade again because that's we, we talked about that um, sadism sexual desire where it was with people who were, were not consenting or anything like that. This is a little bit different to that. So there's there's nothing wrong with your brain or with your body if you're enjoying this kind of desire. It's absolutely fine. There are a lot of us who do have um, demons and neuroses and swallow frustrations and, you know, 
previous trauma in our lives, and BDSM may be a way that these are expressed, as vanilla sex is for many others. People deal with things in, in a different way. But a lot of us lack the self-awareness to pick apart the vagaries of our motives and you know, our sexual desires and things like that. And if you let your partner walk away from a sex act both satisfied and unscathed, or at least with no lasting emotional bruises, or physical bruises, I guess, then that's an outcome that needs no further probing. If that doesn't do it for you, then you look at something a wee bit different. So, it's, yeah. It, kink's very, still very, very frowned upon in the world, in different parts. There was laws governing online porn in the UK that sort of fell really poorly on kink acts within porn. Um, the First Amendment doesn't apply to all sexual communications under the Communications Decency Act. If they're patently offensive under local community standards in the US and cannot prove to have social redeeming value by the author, particularly if they're kinky and non-heteronormative, then that's, uh, that's in the US at the moment. And they don't, thankfully, thankfully, um, they don't see sadomasochism or fetishism to be medical conditions in the US, but there is still paraphilias such as sadomasochistic disorder and fetish disorder as part of it. But we do, well, what we're saying is that if it feels good, then it's because our brain's telling us that. Our brain is saying that, okay, this is nice, I'm enjoying this. Maybe because of past trauma, it may not be, but it could just be whatever, you know? It's just, yeah, one of those things. And it's. There are a lot of people that are into BDSM. There's no two ways about that. There's people all over the place. And a lot of people don't realize it because they think that a light spanking or using handcuffs or whatever isn't actually BDSM. It's just something to spice up the bedroom life. But it is, and that's fine. You're into what you're into. I'm not going to go into all of that. But there has been an underground fetish community under us the whole time, uh, especially since the internet uh, was introduced. Um, there's things like FetLife now where you can go and meet fellow kingsters and, and catch up and, and go from there. It's basically Facebook for kingsters, which is a lot of fun. You get to meet people. You get to go to events. Uh, in your area and all of this, uh, all things like that, which is absolutely fantastic. Now, I've got a great quote here from uh, Sandra Lemogese, who's a, got a PhD. Um, she's an author. She's also a uh, former dominatrix, which is kind of cool. She's talking from experience as well. Um, we are more honest. Today, we are more honest with each other and with ourselves. We know that most fantasies and fetishes are quite common. I think a lot of that is due to the um, due to the internet. But she does also state that BDSM is often misrepresented and not fully understood, and that's why a lot of people still feel quite weird about it. A lot of people still think it's an abusive practice. Uh, it's only carried out by you know sadists and victims with so low self worth. Um, but it's usually those who are always there. Uh, who are part of BDSM, um, sort of realize that it's 
it's not victims at all. They seem to hold all the power. Uh, the submissives, not the victims. I'm not going to say the victims hold power at all. They've, yeah, that's something completely different. But the practice of BDSM involves trust, compassion, love, acceptance, and surrendering control for the good of one's emotional health. So if you're going into a full power exchange, then it's it can actually be quite cathartic to forget about your life and serve the person that you're with or people that you're serving. Um, purely because the worries of your life or the life that you did have or whatever um, are no longer a hindrance to you. They're sort of, they've all disappeared and it's just you get told what to do, somebody else is in control of your life and they're going to do right by you. Um, but yeah, so you can always bow out of it at any time. There's, there's no, no one's going to sit there and go, oh, blah, 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 blah. If you say, you know what? No, no thanks. I'm, I'm good. Um, then they'll go, okay. If they're not doing that, then they're not really part of the kink scene. It, it's, can be, like, things do go wrong. I've said that a number of times. But, yeah. <laughs> um, and I'll go back to what I said at the start as well. BDSM isn't always sex, sexual either. It's more on a physiological level. It's the fear and danger that comes from it. It's, again, I'll go back into the sciences. It's, it gets the adrenal glands going. It floods a person's system with epinephrine, which is those neurotransmitters that we were talking about, which are followed by the endorphins, which is, yeah, neuroadrenaline and that side of things. Um, so that's that's really, really important to remember as well. Now, as part of all of that, it reduces your psychological stress because you're getting those releases from that point as well. I'm not saying that everybody needs to do it. Definitely not. But if that's what you're into, then that's what you're into. Um, heading on from that point, uh, what I'm going to do here is I'm just going to list a lot of terminology that people use uh, as part of the scene and sort of what what it is, what it is. I'll give my sort of explanation. Plus, there's going to be some things in here that I don't really know about either, but that's cool because I'm learning as well. Um, I've done a lot of research to get into this, and I'm going to give my input as well as the sources that I've gotten from this as well. So, yeah, you would have already heard me um, using a few of these uh, in the in the chat that we've already had, but uh, I think it's important to still go over them just in case a few of you don't really know what it means or are a little bit confused or, or whatever. Um, so it's kind of just a list of Think of this as a glossary, I guess, um, of of kink. That's probably the best way that I can that I can that I can think of. So, twenty four seven, I've used that in this is a power exchange relationships, whether the aspects are big or small, that exists all day and every day. So it could be one's dominant, one's submissive, obviously, in every part. So that dominant controls money, what they do every moment of the day, that side of things, or whether it's just the odd sort of here or there part of it, they're always on 24-7 for the small little things as well. 
Um, aftercare, I haven't talked about aftercare. Fuck, I should have. That's really, really bad of me, actually. Um, so aftercare is usually necessary after every play session that you have, if, um, purely because you've had this big release of your your dopamine levels, your adrenal glands have gone all through. You know, you've released all of these endorphins, and with every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. So you've got this big high from all this adrenaline being released. You're going to get a low after it. Um, sometimes it's instant. Sometimes it's half an hour later. Sometimes it's a few days later. So it's always good to be checking in on your people um, after a scene uh, for a couple of weeks, I think, to be honest. Um, yeah, and that's purely just so that you can make sure that they're still okay. Um, so players will check in and reestablish connections with each other. It quite often involves cuddling, sex, eating or drinking to replace the electrolytes if it's instantly. Um, you can discuss the scene. I tend to do that at least a week after. And, yeah, just basically checking in on them. Uh, it's different for everyone, aftercare, and it can also involve alone time or any number of personal preferences. And it's absolutely essential um, to to that, to, to, to have aftercare, I guess, uh, to put it a better way. But I think the key, the other key part to remember with aftercare is that it comes at different times for different people. It can be completely random. It can be different every single time. You just don't know. So always keep in touch with the person you're playing with. And part of that, it's not just for the submissive. That's a common misconception as well. Um, check in on your dominant if you're still feeling fine. Because the dominant does still have that huge release of dopamine level, of dopamines and you're, and, uh, and endorphins. And they're releasing a lot of adrenaline as part of that as well. So, yeah, it's okay to check in on them. Uh, age play. Role play involving a distinct difference in ages and often power exchanges based on those ages. It can include infantilism, parents slash child play, incest play, diaper play, all of that sort of stuff. Now, the key thing to remember with this is it's not pedophilia. These people are all over age. Um, the majority of people who get involved with this like their people older, but like them to act younger. In which case, it's and have zero, absolutely zero interest in actual underage people. That's the, a huge misconception when it comes into age play, and it's just not the case in any way, shape, or form. Um, I know a fair few age players, and they're all really, really wonderful, stunning people. And I, I know because I've talked to them, and I know them quite well that. It's not so much the age part of it, it's the play of that age, which is completely different. Keep that in mind, people. Uh, obviously, BDSM, which we've gone over, it's quite a modern acronym used to refer to the kink and fetish communities and activities. So, yeah, there's, there's a fair few different things that nowadays BDSM stands for. Bondage and discipline, dominance and submission, Sadomasochism, sadism and masochism and slave master. A uh, whole different bunch of, of things there uh, as part of that. I won't go too into that because we've talked a lot about it. Uh, blood choking. So this is the act of causing someone to pass out or begin to lose consciousness by restricting the blood flow to their brain. Also called choking out. This is considered edge play and is a widely debated practice in the kink community. I've not seen this done. Um, obviously I've been a part of choking many times. 
but I would never go to the point of actually choking somebody out. It's a little too risky for me. Um, I do like my edge play. Uh, I do love choking people out until they get to a point where they're comfortable. Oh, a little uncomfortable, I guess. Um, but never to the full point of choking somebody out. Um, that belongs in a UFC ring or something like that, not in my bedroom, but in saying that. If you've got people who know what they're doing, I reckon that could be really quite quite sexy and quite extreme. I like that. But, yeah, not my thing. Uh, bondage, we've talked about enough. So, bottom, you can have a top and bottom as well as dominant submissive. Um, but the top and bottom tends to be more just for the scenes um, as opposed to a lifestyle, I guess. So a top and bottom, they go and they do the scene, the tops that plays the inverted quotations dominant, the bottom plays the quotations submissive. So you've got the person receiving the sensation, you've got a person giving the sensation. And that's your top and bottom. Uh, breastplate, which we've kind of just talked about, so it is still a topic of debate. And it falls into the category of edge play, but it is the act of choking or restricting breath, um, which I think is really, really hot. But not everybody does, and I can understand why, because it can be qu quite risky. Um, obviously, you're playing with somebody's breath, you're playing with their carotid arteries. Um, don't push on the front of the throat if you're just getting into breath play. It's around the side with the hand around the front. You're putting pressure on the carotid arteries, but obviously you've got to be careful. Otherwise, you're getting into that blood choking where they can pass out, and that's when it can get quite dangerous. Uh, CBT, which is an acronym for cock and ball torture. So this usually includes specific techniques and anatomical understanding for the torture of male genitalia. So you've got things... I think chastity devices come into this as well. Um, you've got things like uh, using a sound. You've got um, tens cock rings and all sorts of different fun, exciting things um, that you can use as part of that. That's uh, breathplate for you. It's pretty self-explanatory, but... Like I said, I'm going to go through them all and, and talk about everything that I that I can. Um, so the next one's caning, or use of a cane. It's a common BDSM toy and an activity. Canes can be made from many different materials, including different woods, plastics, any semi-flexible material. And the act of caning involves striking somebody with a cane. So this is part of impact play, um, usually across broad, fleshy areas of the body. So the butt, the backs of thighs. Pretty popular across the bottom of the feet. Um, I've seen front of the thighs as well. Um, boobs as well are really good for it. Uh, they're the sort of safer places, I think. And the bruises from them are really quite delicious at the best of times. Um, yeah, but I use bamboo. You can use rattan. You can use different kinds of plastics even as part of that. Um, okay, so collaring, or collar slash collaring, um, 
usually represents someone's identity as a submissive and whether they're owned or not. Not always. You can, especially if you're into the whole pet play thing, doesn't mean you have an owner, you just like wearing a leash or a collar. A collar can be imbued with whatever meaning by the wearer or none at all, although it often carries some symbolic weight. Collaring ceremonies are common in BDSM and can range anywhere from a simple commitment or preference for wearing a collar to a level of seriousness on par with an engagement or marriage. So, collars can be whatever you want, people. It doesn't have to mean anything. But, usually does. Um, so, consent's obviously a big one. Um, consent is saying yes, or yes please, so a matter. Consent is uncoerced, non-pressured, freely given permission. This is at the heart of all things kinky, and consent is very, very important. So, I've talked until I'm blue in the face about consent. I did a whole episode a little while back around consent. Uh, get some before you get some, people. Get some consent before you get some action. Um, so, yeah, that's that. Consensual non-consent, this is uh, a big one. Um, and it's one of my favorite things, if I'm honest. Uh, it is definitely to that sort of extreme end, I think. Um, it's sometimes referred to as rape play. Uh, con non-con, consensual non-consent, includes much more than acting out violent fantasies. It is complex scene play, which usually has a pre-negotiated safe word and extensive discussion of boundaries and limits beforehand. During con non-con, the scene may have the outward appearance of being very violent and without the consent of one party. Essentially, a rape scene. Consensual non-consent, while it can be very hot, and it is for many people, can also be serious mojo to play with. You, can, you have to approach it with a little bit of caution. And that's purely for the mental side of things, uh, as well as physical. But the mental side of you can get kind of completely munted up uh, if something like this happens. So if you, it's, it can be similar to actually being raped. Um, if a consensual non-consent scene goes wrong. But um, it can be really, really amazing, of course. The adrenaline really, really kicks in when there's fear involved. And when it comes to consensual non-consent, there is a lot of fear that can be involved. And that's hard. For me. doesn't have to be for you. <laughs> um, cool. So, corsetry, or tight lacing. Is a fetish that explores power exchange and or fetish through shape changing, sometimes breath limiting corsetry. That one's pretty self-explanatory. Um, cupping, also called fire cupping, is the act of heating up glass cups with rounded backs, usually a few inches across, on the skin. And as the cups cool, they create a vacuum, leaving a hickey-like bruising pattern across the skin. If done hard enough or hot enough, cupping can also break the skin. Now, this is something I've really wanted to get into. I think it's really, really hot, really, really gorgeous, but I haven't been able to yet. Um, I think that's going to be my aim before the end of this year is to get involved with a bit more fire cupping. Um, yeah, it sounds really, really hot. I'm a, I'm a big fan of fire in general anyway, um, but I, yeah, I've not done this before. But I will. Don't you worry, I will. A dom. Uh, is the next one. So there's this is two parts. So you've got the dom male, 
and then you've got the DOM with ME on the end. So DOM, the male DOM is DOM. Some people say it as DOMA um, for the female, but I still call it the DOM. So it's a role identifying with a person as dominant to be on the controlling and decision-making side of power exchange. One who has, takes, or receives power. Dungeon. This is a word referring to large group play spaces or places where play parties are held. Rarely are these actual dungeons, people. <laughs> Don't expect to walk in and see, you know, the, it, it, that it's going to be held at a castle and there's the change stuck up on the wall halfway up where you're obviously not going to be able to stand anywhere. No, they're often converted conference rooms, ballrooms, or even individual homes or rooms in homes. Uh, the most common one is actually rooms in homes, I believe. Sometimes they're committed spaces that stay dungeons all the time. A dungeon often includes kink furniture like spanking benches, St. Andrew's crosses, suspension points, stocks, cages. Um, a common area to socialise and have snacks and drinks and quieter places for aftercare and cuddling. Dungeons and play parties also have their own unique sets of rules and etiquettes that must be followed to use it. So in, as part of that, you have a dungeon master. Now this person is responsible for the safety in the dungeon, usually an experienced member of the kink community. Oftentimes the host as well. They'll walk around and check in on different scenes and just make sure everything's going okay. They're responsible for ousting unsafe or inappropriate um, people within the play party. Um, yeah, so you basically don't, you want to save people in your party. You don't want things to go wrong and ruin it for everybody else. Uh, D slash S is quite often seen. That's shorthand for dominance and submission. Uh, edge play. We noted about this a little bit earlier. This is a term for BDSM practices that are considered quite risky or on the edge. Uh, or, or they're debated within the community. Some of these are breath play, choking, knife play, play piercing, blood play. Fire play, gun play, consensual non-consent, anything like that. Anything that could really give a lot of harm if small aspects of it went wrong. Um, enema is quite a common one. So the act of douching or cleaning the able cavity and rectum, it's quite often a fetish preference. Um, and it's really good if you want to do anything anal play anyway. Uh, nice and clean down there, you know you're not going to get certain organisms where you don't want them. Um, a fetish is an object or action that isn't inherently sexual, so leather, latex, rope, crying, but it carries a sexual association or is a turn-on for the given person, so a rope fetish or something like that. FetLife we talked about, it's the kink's equivalent of Facebook. It's a website for posting pictures, statuses, writing, fighting local groups, making friends and events and all that sort of thing. Fireplay, this is something that is, excites me quite a bit as well. I haven't done quite enough of it, but fire massage feels really quite amazing. Um, so, but it's play, it's play that involves a sensation of fire on a person. And also the threat of fire as part of it as well. So, like I said, fire can be quite terrifying, especially once it gets out of control. Um, so you can have that threat of, of fire as well. That can still be considered fireplay. Uh, fisting. That's a sexual act in which the giver's fist or part thereof is used to penetrate the receiving partner. So, yep, that's that's enough. 
there. Uh, nothing more needs to be said, I don't think. You put your fist in someone. Um, try and do it with proper warm-up because uh, and technique. That's when it doesn't hurt, but it can be quite painful if you don't do that correctly. Uh, floggers and flogging. So a flogger is a common BDSM toy. Flogging is the practice. It's a multi-tailed whip, basically, and they can be made from all sorts of materials like leather, suede, hair, wood. Um, I've seen them made with Ethernet cables, your RJ45 Ethernet cables. Um, which is quite painful, um, and it can produce a sensation that's anywhere from sharp sting to heavy thud, or any combination. Hits from a flogger are best across a part of the body that's large and meaty, such as the upper thighs, butt, or upper back, definitely not the lower back people. Uh, and they come in many sizes, with any number of tails. Often time with that they'll have specific names based on those numbers such as a cat of nine tails. That's obviously a flogger with nine tails on him. Um, golden showers. King practice of peeing on someone and or being peed on. So, yeah, that's self-explanatory. If you like that, that's what that is. Um, you've got the hanky code. So this originally came out of the gay leather scene. Hanky code uses different colours and materials of handkerchiefs or bandanas to indicate areas of BDSM interest. Using the hanky code is often called flagging, where at a bar or a party, a person will wear a certain color bandana in a certain pocket, right or left, to communicate preferences to other to others. For example, a black bandana in the left pocket indicates into receiving or bottoming heavy sadomasochism. Uh, or yeah. So that's that. Uh, that's actually something I've never heard of. Um, it's never been a thing here in New Zealand, so I've learned something today as well, people. It's not just you guys. Um, then you've got Gorian, which is based on the sci-fi novels by John Norman. Gorian households and couples follow a strict and traditional protocol involving specific postures and ritual. Most Gorian relationships are 24-7 and master-slave. I'll leave you guys to look into that. It's probably going to come out on a later podcast of mine uh, with a bit more depth. I'm not going to talk to talk about it too much in here. I don't know enough about it yet. I want to. It seems interesting to me. Uh, the next one's really important. This is hard limits. So a hard limit is a specific element or action that a person isn't comfortable with and cannot see themselves becoming comfortable with. So, for example, golden showers are a hard limit to me. Um, anything illegal is a hard limit to me. Impact play is... A category of sensation play. It's not just what it's, it's. No, it is. It's just what it sounds like. I when something makes an impact. So this could be spanking, slapping, canning, flogging, paddling, punching, hitting, anything where something hits something. So impacts chiefly produce two types of sensations: stings and thuds. A sting is a strike felt at the level of the skin. It is usually produced by a thinner, harder, or lower mass impact material. And the thud is felt deeper into the muscle and is caused by a slower, heavier, or softer object. Whipping and flogging are very complicated and very technical, so you shouldn't do them unless you have someone to show you how. They're way outside the scope of our discussion. The word whip usually refers to a long, thin leather tail attached to a handle. Virtually, visually similar to a bull whip. 
When used correctly, this provides intense surface level singing, but it can also break the skin quite easily. The end of a whip can move very quickly. That's what breaks the sound barrier, even faster. Do not touch a whip unless you have somebody competent to mentor you. You can cut your partner up and even lose eyesight. It isn't safe. Have someone watch your strokes and correct your motions. Practice on a pillow until you can confidently hit the spot that you intend to hit with the intensity you planned every single time. And then we've gone over floggers. You can use paddles. You can use anything like that. Knife play, pretty straightforward. Play involving the use, threat, or sensation of knives. It's considered edge play. Masochism or masochist is someone who enjoys pain or the act of enjoying pain. This can sometimes indicate the feeling of pain as pleasure or the simple enjoyment of pain as pain. Master-slave is a relationship term indicating intense power exchange, service, and sometimes a 24-7 dynamic. A more specific and different kind of dominant submissive relationship, a master-slave is sometimes sort of more extreme and are more 24-7 oriented than DS. You have medical play, which can include role play as part of it, um, but they involve medical equipment, a medical aesthetic, and medical tools, often involve needle play and or play piercing. Can be considered edge play. A munch is a social event for kinksters, uh, usually held at a bar or restaurant. It originates from the term burger munch. A munch doesn't involve play or sex, but rather an event for the community to get together, talk, share interests, or plan events. Mummification, so you all know what a mummy is. It's the wrapping or mummifying a part or all of the body to confine movement and or limit sensory experience. It can be done with saran wrap, plastic, rubber, fabric, or special equipment like vacuum beds, you know, like those latex beds that... Um, Seem to have become popular on social media lately. Um, yeah. Needle play, play involving needles or the thread of needles, also part of play piercing. Play is a general use verb to indicate doing BDSM actions and an adjective to precede specific BDSM interests, such as needle play, play piercing, age play, play party. And speaking of play parties, they're an event where kinksters gather to play. Play parties might be held in a dungeon or other kind of play space, or simply in someone's house. Play parties differ in size, rules and etiquette, but often involve dressing up or down, various kink activities, and most play parties involve public play where within the context of a party, couples or groups will play in front of whoever else attends, and will almost always play in front of the dungeon master. Play piercing is the practice of temporary piercing of the flesh, both for sensation and aesthetic of piercing. Uh, something that's really cool for this is needles down the back, which then you'll intertwine some ribbon, some silk ribbon, so it actually looks like a tied up corset at the back. It's sometimes placed in designs across the body, or maybe attached to string or other points for further sensation. Pony play is play involving acting like or being the owner of a human pony. Is can involve costuming, so hoof boots, saddles, bridles, bits, or simply sounds and actions of the horse. So that's sort of kind of um, pet play as well. It usually involves some kind of power exchange, like an owner to uh, to animal, uh, to horse. Um, so. 
That brings us on to power exchange, which is the act of exchanging power from one or more parties to one or more other parties. Often in the form of control and or sensation, consent is at the basis of any healthy power exchange. Regardless of whether the exchange lasts an hour, a day, or a lifetime, it always needs to be consentable. Pet play is play involving acting like or being the owner of human puppy, kitty, horse, whatever, involving costuming and props, leashes, collars, food bowls. Usually involves some kind of power exchange, and you can actually get uh, butt plugs that have tails on them to help uh, with pet play as well, which is always a little bit of fun. Uh, RAC, which is Risk Aware Consensual Kink. This acronym was born as a response to uh, consent culture and safety-oriented attitude. So what this basically is, is that people are aware of the risks that are associated, um, that it is all consensual and everybody wants to be part of what's going on. And usually as part of that, you'll, you would have a safe word as part of that as well. Um, a safe word is a pre-negotiated word that either party, although it's most commonly the bottom, can use to pause, check in, or end the scene, or end the play. Safe words function in the same no or stop might otherwise, and part of their function is allowing the bottom to scream no or stop as much as they like. Some common safe words are safe word, or what I use is I use the colour system, red equals stop, yellow equals check in, although some people use various different colours to mean different things. For instance, for instance, green is, please God, don't stop. You've got sensation play, which is play that involves the sense or touch, but not necessarily pain. It could be running a flogger gently across someone's skin. It could be the use of a feather, uh, soft velvet, and then burlap on the back of a paddle. These are all playing with a sensation across somebody's skin. So that's what sensation play is. You've got a service top. So a service top usually describes their turn on as how their actions are in service to the bottom. For example, I like to flog her because she likes it, as opposed to a sadist or dominant who might find their role a turn on in other ways. Sensory deprivation, so depriving somebody of their senses in some way, so for example blindfolds, earmuffs, earplugs, a bag over someone's head, anything like that. Uh, scat play is playing with feces and fecal matter, all your poopy stuff. Shibari is traditional Japanese rope bondage, uh, noted on it a few times in this episode already. So Shibari is more aesthetically specific than Western bondage and uses a series of designated length and diameter ropes. In the recent world of rope bondage, Shibari has, adapted, has been adapted and combined with a more Western style, and the two are often seen used together. The word Shibari means to tie or to bind. So this is all your big fancy rope bondage sort of stuff, all of the art that goes around, all the photos that go around that are really, really quite beautiful. This is what you're after. This is what they're talking about here. Uh, soft limit is a specific element. So we talked about hard limits just before. So a soft limit is uh, an element of or action of play that a person isn't really comfortable with but could be sometime in the future and might want to push past. So for example, scat play is a soft limit for me. Maybe check back in a few months. Or you work together to try and get past that limit, perhaps. Uh, sounding, I spoke about earlier um, from the medical practice. So it was equivalent to measuring, but within bodily orifices. So in the modern kink world, sounding refers to the practice of inserting metal rods into urethral openings. 
So this could be on either men or women. And sub drop. This comes in part of the aftercare part that I that I was talking about at the start of this. So Subjob is an emotional, psychological, or physiological state that can sometimes come after play. Usually involves feelings of loss, loneliness, abandonment, worry, misgivings about the play, or one's identity as a kingster, and sadness. Helpful remedies include cuddling, warm back blankets, favorite movies, and good foods. And you can also get top drop as part of that. Suspension is the practice of lifting or partially lifting the subject into the air most commonly seen with rope. Suspension can be done with any number of things, although a familiar, familiarity with anatomy and safety practices is a must. SSC, so this is the precursor to RAC, the risk-aware consensual, uh, consensual kink. This is safe, sane and consensual. It was one of the first acronyms to come onto the scene in the early 80s that described an aware, safety-oriented kink world. An important distinction, especially before the BDSM scene was more widely accepted, or at least more public, to differentiate between abuse and SM play. Subspace. Subspace is great, guys. Really great. Um, so, subspace is a state of mind referring to a blissed out, otherworldly place bottoms can go during heavy play. Subspace, also referred to as flying or floating, is usually a combination of endorphins and adrenaline that in the right mix have an almost drug-like effect. Many bottoms report their pain tolerance skyrocketing and a desire to keep playing forever. So subspace can actually also be dangerous as well for the top, um, especially when it comes to that desire to keep playing forever, um, because that can obviously get incredibly dangerous if you just keep going and going and going and going and going and going um, and not stop. For both parties that can get really dangerous, both mentally and physically, so careful. SM, originally an, an acronym for sadomasochism, um, but it's become an all-inclusive word meaning the same as kink or BDSM when the scene was still in its fledgling stages. So many older texts still use SM for or leather in much the same way as we use BDSM or kink today. Submissive, one who gives, relents, or doesn't have power. Switch, one who enjoys both roles. Sadist, enjoys giving pain. Masochist, enjoys receiving. Sadomasochist enjoys both. Top refers to the person giving sensation, one who, yep, top drop. This is important as well, guys, because people talk about sub drop a lot and forget about top drop. So top drop is an emotional, psychological, or physiological state that can, some can sometimes come after play. It's the same thing, really. But top space can also be called top frenzy. And it's the counterpart to subspace and includes feelings of all-powerful euphoria and a desire to never stop. So the two can be quite intrinsically linked and can both be quite dangerous. TPE is a total power exchange. So this refers to a 24-7 relationship dynamic. So you'll usually see 24-7 TPE, um, in which all power is exchanged, including financials and physical property, etc., etc. Vanilla, a word first used to describe non-kink-oriented sex. Vanilla sometimes takes on a dismissive tone and has come, in some places, just to mean boring sex. Also, it's a delicious ice cream flavour. <laughs> um, <laughs> wax play, play involving dripping hot wax on the skin. Different waxes can be used, although many burn at different temperatures, and good research beforehand is highly recommended. 
Water sports is play involving pee, playing with pee, peeing on another. Part of Golden Showers, really. Wartenberg Wheel is one of my favourite little toys. It's a device originating in the medical field again to test nerve endings, response and sensation. Wartenberg Wheel is small, very sharp spiked wheel. It can be rolled over the skin or used in, con in conjunction with an electrical play unit. That's how I use it. Yay! Um, and just as just before we sign off here, um, some common limits include blood, disease transmission, so unsafe sex, uh, pee and poop, claustrophobic, feeling worthless or humiliated, being afraid of your partner, physical marks, pain, or triggers that remind you of a past traumatic event. Yeah, this episode actually went a lot longer than I'd planned, but that's okay, because um, I've touched on a lot of stuff, and I've learned a fair bit of information myself by going to these sources. Um, I'd love to hear your feedback on any of these as well, if there's anything that I've missed, anything that you have to add to any of this as well. Um, please please feel free to do so. You can contact me on the socials at the ASLAP Podcast, or you can email me um, at the ASLAP Podcast at gmail.com. And yeah, thank you very much for listening into this one. Uh, it's been quite long. It's been a lot of talking for me. Um, I've gone through a couple of beers. I've eaten some food. It's been good. Um, but yeah, please let me know what you think of this. And guys, stay slutty. Roger. Why can't she just admit she's a deviant so she can come home? Deviant? Yeah, she wants me to spank her in bed. It's sick. Stan, everyone has something a little different that they like. Something a little naughty. A little kinky. Not me. Oh, honey, everyone has a kink. You just need to find yours. You're buttoned up and prude. Not an ounce of you is crude. And your tendencies in bed leave women snoring. But if you look deep down inside and put aside your foolish pride, there are fantasies and holes that need exploring. Close your eyes and picture Francine as a French maid instead of wearing that same dress that's sort of pink. Sure, you'd rather be on top and give three quick pumps and stop. But I know deep down inside you've got a kink. You've got a kink. You've got a kink. Don't be afraid to put a finger in the stink. Though I know you might be shy, let me show you things to try. Cause like everyone you know, you've got a kink. Imagine yourself living without limits. You've got whips and chains. Who needs a shrink? Cause if you watch me with the ladies What we do won't cause no babies Take a tip from me and go and find your kink You've got a kink He's got a king. king You've got a king He's got a king There's so much here to see Try not to blink So if you dig on women's feet Don't be afraid, turn up that heat Cause like everybody else You've got a kink Are you getting it yet? I think I am I love sleeping with Francine And I'm used to my routine but you think it may be time to make a change. So I'll try out something new, like when Carradine turned blue. Who am I to think my wife is sick and strange? I've got a king. I've got a king. Remember what I said about the stink. 
So if you like us all, we're fivery. You won't be judged. We're not a jury. Cause way down deep inside, we've all got kinks. We've got a kink. We've got a kink. We've got a kink. Just way down deep inside, I've got a kink. I've got to bring Francine home and let her know I've found my kink. I'm proud of you, Stan. So which kink is it? All of them. Uh-oh. <laughs>